You open your Bible tonight as we begin our time together to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. This evening I want us to pick back up where we left off from last Sunday night together, where we were talking about the pursuit of holiness. And the pursuit of holiness in our life personally and the pursuit of holiness even in the life of the church. And I had you to turn here to Matthew 7 to begin our time together because we'll see from here and over in the book of Galatians in just a moment that the order in which this is to happen is that it is to be a pursuit of holiness in our own life personally first. And then as we are pursuing Christ, as we are pursuing holiness, then we are then in the position to pursue holiness in the, the body of Christ, in the life of the church. You notice here in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 7, Jesus here is teaching. And he says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Turn here to this passage, because here's what Jesus is teaching us, is that before we are to go deal with the sin of anyone else's life, and to help them in walking with the Lord, that we need to be committed to dealing with sin in our own life that we need to be pursuing Christ and pursuing holiness in our own life. As Jesus says here, don't be a hypocrite. That is, how would a person be a hypocrite in this process? They'd be a hypocrite if they're not willing to pursue holiness in their own life, but they want to come and pursue you about holiness in your life. But if you are willing to pursue holiness in your life, that is, as he's saying here, take the log that is out of your own eye first, then you will be able to see clearly to go to help that person in taking the speck out of their eye. So we are to deal with our own sin, addressing our own heart as we are pursuing Christ. Similar lesson is taught over in the book of Galatians. If you turn over there for just a moment, go over to Galatians chapter 6 for just a moment. Galatians chapter 6. And I want us to see verses 1 and 2 here. The Apostle Paul is trying to help the churches in Galatia. And he says, beginning in verse 1, Brethren, if anyone... If anyone is caught in any trespass, that is, if anyone's caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. He even goes on to say in verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he is deceiving himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will receive, have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Paul here is teaching if someone is caught in sin, 
You who are spiritual, and that's not talking about the spiritual elite in the church. That's not talking about just the, the pastors in the church. It's just talking about those, when you follow that, right on the heels of chapter 5, where he's been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. He's just saying, those who are just walking and living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, when someone gets caught up in sin, you who are walking by the Spirit, go and restore that one in a spirit of gentleness. But notice what he says, each one looking to yourself. Again, you must be looking to yourself, looking to your own heart, your own life, even as you go to help someone that is struggling with sin in their life. Because he knows that so that you too will not be tempted. We do, though, have a, a responsibility, as he says there in verse 2, to actually bear one another's burdens. This is what fulfills the law of Christ, of loving our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We're willing to bear that burden. We're willing to walk that mile with them. We're willing to get involved in their life to help to restore them. But it starts again with you looking to yourself, looking at your own heart, your own life. And then once we're doing that, we're now ready and prepared to help others as well. So where do we start? Where do we start in this personal pursuit of holiness? Well, we looked at that last Sunday together when we looked at what I call the motivations, or if you wanted to say, the reasons for our pursuit. What reasons are there why it is I should be pursuing holiness? And we saw it all centers on Christ. It all centers on Jesus Christ. It must, there must be Christ-centered reasons for why we are pursuing holiness. And that's very important, beloved, because it is very easy to get off track it's very easy to begin to pursue holiness or want to pursue doing what is right for the wrong reasons. And remember, God doesn't just look at what we do. He looks at why it is that we do it. He is examining our hearts and our motives and the, and the reason why it is that I'm wanting to obey his word. Because if someone is saying, look, I'm going to take the Bible and I'm going to read the Bible every day and I'm going to try to find out what the Bible says and do what the Bible says, every single command that is given in it, because I think somehow, some way, if I do that somewhere along the line, at some point before I die, God will be accepting of me. And that would be a fatal wrong reason of why you would be pursuing Holiness. We pursue holiness for the reasons that we saw last time together because of the character of Christ, because of the cross of Christ, because of the coming of Christ, because of the, the conforming work of Christ that's going on in our life, because of the commission of Christ. We look around and we look on the inside, what's going on, what God is doing, what we're beginning to study on Sunday mornings, and we see this is what God's about in our life, so we want to join Him in that pursuit. We see that we're supposed to look outside of ourselves and go out and share the gospel, but to do that, we need to remember the commission of Christ, and we need to have the credibility to go out and do it. We know that Christ is coming again because He's coming. We're told how it is we ought to conduct ourselves and live our lives. 
We look back at the cross. We look back at the salvation. We look back at the suffering of Jesus and what it is he went through for our sins. And thus that makes us want to put away sin that is in our life. These are the reasons that we have for pursuing holiness. But tonight I want us to begin to look at what I call the the root of our pursuit. The, The very foundation of this pursuit of Christ, this pursuit of holiness. You see, beloved, it is our responsibility as believers to pursue Christ. And as we're pursuing Christ, as we're pursuing holiness, remember that this is all supposed to come out of a love and devotion to Christ. It comes out of a love and devotion to Christ. And again, that's why only a true believer can actually pursue holiness as God has so designed it. I say that because if you have your Bible still open there, look over from Galatians to Ephesians. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And look at the very last verse of Ephesians chapter 6, the last verse in the Bible. And just notice what Paul says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ, who love him with an incorruptible love. You see, beloved, the the saved, those who are truly born again are those who love God. You can look over in 1 John, you see that often. God is love, and because God is love, if we know God, and if we have a relationship with God, if we've truly been born of God, then we love, and we love God. Those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Look for just a moment back at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, Listen to the, what Apostle Paul says. He says, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. That's strong language. Because he knows those who love the Lord are those who have truly been born again. Anyone who does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. But it is the same thing that we saw with Peter. Over in the Gospel of John, remember, we studied and we walked through that together about loving one another and loving the saints and and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember at the end of of the ministry and the life of Jesus, it was Peter who denied Jesus three times. It was Peter who failed. It was Peter who seemed to have disqualified himself for the ministry of what it is that Jesus would have him to do. But it was Jesus who reaffirmed him to the ministry. Remember how it is he reaffirmed Peter to the ministry? He reaffirmed him to the ministry by asking him three times, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Because he knew for Peter to do what God had called him to do, it was gonna have to be founded on a love for Christ. Everything we do in life including a pursuit of holiness, has to be founded and rooted in a love, a genuine, deep, abiding love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes back to just loving Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep 
my commandments. If it is true that you love Christ, then it will be true that you will keep the commandments of Christ. Not perfectly, but there will be the desire and there will be the direction in your life where you are wanting to pursue holiness and keep the word of God if you love Christ. Because that is the fruit. Someone who's genuinely loving Christ, the results of that, the fruit of that will be they will be having the desire to keep the commandments of Christ. You see, beloved, our obedience and the keeping of God's word, the keeping of the Lord's commandments, that is to come out of a love for him. Think back with me for a moment to one of the parables that Jesus taught in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 15. The parable, we usually call it the parable of the prodigal son. Remember where there was a father who had two sons, an older son and a younger son. And it was the younger son who finally came to his father and really had such contempt for his father and what he asked of him that he couldn't wait long enough for his father to die so that he could get the inheritance that, that belonged to him. And so when he approached his father, he asked his father, can he go ahead and have his part of the inheritance? And the father granted it to him. And remember, he goes off and he just violates everything that he was brought up to believe and to do. And he goes off and he gets into all kinds of things and he hits rock bottom. And when he hits rock bottom, he comes to his senses and it is there that he really repents of his sin and what it is he has done. And he gets, gets up and he comes back to his father and he comes to his father and he confesses to his father, I have sinned against you and I'm not even worthy to be your son any longer. Just let me be one of your slaves. Just let me just come back and I'll serve and do whatever. I don't have to be a son anymore and considered a son any longer. And the father, remember, when the father even saw him from a long distance, the father took off running to meet him because he was longing in his heart for the return of his son. And if you understand the context of that, in Luke chapter 15, at the beginning of the chapter, it's the Pharisees, it's the religious leaders that are moaning and groaning and complaining about Jesus because Jesus seems to be welcoming and accepting the tax collectors and the sinners. That is, he, they're repenting of their sins and they're coming to Christ and they're believing in Christ and Jesus is welcoming them and he's loving them and he's forgiving them and that younger brother that younger son that was there in that story, that was the picture of the tax collectors and the sinners that had walked away from what they had been brought up on and turned their back on their own people, turned their back on their religion, turned their back on God. And when Jesus came along and began to preach the gospel truth to them, they repented of their sins and they came running back to God, seeking forgiveness. And God welcomed them just as the father did that younger son who came running back to him. But what about the older brother? What about that older brother? He never left. He seemed to have stayed there with the father. He continued to serve the father. 
He continued to work the land. He continued to be there and do whatever it is that he thought the Father was wanting him to do. And when the Father received his younger brother back, do you remember his response? It wasn't praise the Lord. He was furious. He was furious with his father. Why? Because all those years he had been serving his father, it wasn't out of a love for his father. He didn't really love his father. In fact, the older brother had the same wicked, wretched heart as his younger brother. He had the same desires. He he had a, a hatred in that sense for what it is his father was doing. He couldn't believe that his father was just going to welcome him back and throw a big party for him. The father's begging him, come into the house. Your younger brother is home. He's, he's, been, he's repented. He's come back. He was lost, but now he's found. And the brother would have nothing to do with it. Why? Because he never truly loved his father in the story. And remember who that's picturing. That's picturing the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel of that day. They were the ones complaining and moaning and groaning about the tax collectors and the sinners that God was receiving back. And what Jesus was trying to get across to them is, listen, you are not following the Lord out of a love for Him. You see, it has to all be rooted in a love for Christ. And as I've shared with you before, when you read through that story, when you read through it in the original language, It's like it just ends abruptly. It's like the ending doesn't come. It's like Jesus doesn't give them the end of the story. It's like the father and the son are having this conversation and then it just stops. Because the end of the story was still to play out. And we know the end of the story. What What is it that the Pharisees did? Did they ever repent? Did they ever truly come to love the Father? Did they ever truly come to love Jesus Christ? No, they turned him over to have him put to death shamefully on a cross. They never came to love Christ. Oh, you see, beloved, what I'm trying to get across to you about is this, is that as we go about following the Lord, it needs to come out of a love for Christ, a genuine, deep, abiding love for for Christ. Just love Him. Over in Psalm 119, verse 2, it says this, How blessed are those who observe His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. Their heart is truly engaged in seeking Christ, in seeking God. And that person is the blessed one, the one that is walking and observing his testimonies. What it is that God has said, they're observing, they're doing it out of a love and pursuit of God himself, a love and pursuit of Christ himself. Psalm 119 verse 10 says, With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. 
You notice again what the psalmist is saying here. He's asking God in prayer, Lord God, please don't let me wander away. I know my heart. I know how easy it is for me to begin to drift. I know how easy it is for me to get off course. I know how easy it is for me to drift into sin. So Lord, I'm asking you, don't let me wander away from your commandments because I want to, I'm seeking you with all my heart. I just love you. I'm, I'm pursuing after you. Or as it says in the Psalms, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul is just longing after thee. It's a longing soul for Christ. That's why we pursue holiness. We pursue him out of a longing in our heart, a longing for Christ, just to know him, just to to, to be more like him, just to follow him, just to, to honor him. Why, beloved, did you come to Jesus for salvation? Was it just to get your deliverance from the penalty of sin? Was it just to get out of hell? Or was it out of a love for Jesus? Is it out of a love for what it is he had done for you? What you know that you deserve, but yet what you were provided through his life and his death and his resurrection. And that you wanted to be delivered from your sins. You want to be delivered from the power of sin. You want to be delivered from the presence of sin. That should be the heart of the believer who's loving Christ. Yes, we want to be delivered. All of us want to be delivered from the penalty of sin, but there should be this desire in our heart as believers where I just want to be delivered from the very presence of sin. Think about what the Apostle Paul said there in Romans 7. The things I don't want to do, I'm doing. The things I'm doing, I don't want to do. In this wretched body I am, I just want to be delivered from this. And that's why he can praise God because he knows one day he will be delivered. But that's the longing of the believer's heart. That's where this pursuit of holiness comes from. What is the first and greatest commandment? Is it not to love God? To love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Basically just saying with all of who and what you are, just love God. That is the first and greatest commandment that God has given. So before we fall into doing any of the other commandments, let's look to the first one. And let's look to the greatest one. Love God. Have a genuine, deep, abiding love for God. And for us, understanding that is loving Christ. You see, again, it's that relationship. If we're loving Christ as we should, then there comes the second and second greatest commandment, which is not love yourself, but love your neighbor as yourself. Love others. It starts with a love for God, and when you have a love for God, that love will begin to manifest itself in a love for other people. And if you love others... You'll want to see them walking with the Lord. You'll want to see them coming to Christ. You'll see that commitment in their heart and their life of being set apart by the truth. In fact, go with me for a moment to the Gospel of John. Go to John chapter 17 for a moment. I made reference to this passage last week, but I don't think I had you turn to it as I should have. 
turn to John chapter 17, where our Lord is, Jesus is praying to his Father. And he's speaking about his disciples. And he says in verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. And notice what he prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And notice what Jesus says here in verse 19. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I sanctify myself, Jesus says, that as I kept keeping myself set apart unto God and to the will of God for the sake of others. For the sake of the disciples. That's why Christ was pursuing the will of God. You see, beloved, and notice also, he says, just as you, Father, sent me into the world, I have now sent them into the world. And Jesus, knowing we're going to be sent out into a sin-stained world, a world that is against us, that's why he's praying, oh, Lord, sanctify them. And we ought to have a desire to be sanctified, to be set apart unto God in our life, walking in holiness, pursuing Christ. And this is not just for them, it's even for us as well, because in verse 20, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. So as the word of God and the gospel that started with those apostles continued to move down from generation to generation to generation to generation till he has reached us where we are to today. Beloved, Jesus was praying for us. He was praying for you and for me. He was saying, Lord God, my Father, sanctify them in the truth. I'm sending them out into the world and they need to be sanctified. And they need to be sanctified for the sake of others. Beloved, this is why when you go back and you look at one of the first series I preached whenever I arrived here, I started with love and I started with the love for the Savior, the love for the Lord Jesus Christ because that's where everything else must move from. It has to all go right back to a love for Jesus. It must be at the root of all that we do. Our evangelism and sharing the gospel must come first and foremost out of a love for Christ. When we gather here on Sunday morning and Sunday nights to worship, beloved, we should be doing that out of a love for Christ. When we gather in any classes, in any settings, that should be done out of a love for Christ. When we gather to study the word, it's out of a love for Christ. And yes, we pursue holiness together out of a love for Christ. In fact, if you're still there in the Gospel of John, just turn back to chapter 14 for a moment.
where the devil is on his way. And in verse 30, Jesus says, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But notice verse 31. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? He says, I want the world to know that I love my Father. Thus, I do exactly as he has commanded me. You see, beloved, when we want the world to know that we love God and that we love the Lord Jesus Christ, then we want to do exactly what his word says. We want the world to know that because they're going to know it. When we are committed to God by being committed to holiness and pursuing holiness, through that we are letting the world know we love the Lord Jesus Christ. He is first, he is preeminent, he is the priority in our life. This is how we do this. One of the ways how we do this is by doing exactly what the Lord has commanded. Beloved, if you recall, the one thing that Jesus had against the church at Ephesus was what? They had lost their first love. Their first love in Christ. But we are to be pursuing holiness and doing what Christ commands because we want the world to know that we love God, that we love Christ. Again, it's not about trying to get God to love us. It's not about trying to get Jesus to love us. We're not trying to get Jesus to accept us. We're not trying to get God to accept us. We pursue holiness because we know we are accepted by God. Because we're loved by God. We've been forgiven about God. It's about knowing that I am loved by God the Father and by God the Son. And I'm wanting the world to know that I love them. And I want the world to know that they love me. Is this not what we want from our kids? To obey out of a love for us as parents? Though they may not always understand why it is that we're asking them to do what it is that we want them to do, but we want their heart and their love to be devoted to, to us and a trust and to say, I, I, because I love you, I will obey you. This is why when we do sin, we grieve over it as believers. And we confess it before God because we know that ultimately all of our sin is against God. You think about the, the Psalm of David. Just listen to this. Remember, this is a, a, a Psalm I'm sure you're all familiar with, but in Psalm 51, where David has been confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. And he says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Notice here, David's not just asking, Oh Lord, just relieve me of any of the consequences of my sin. 
Dave is asking God to wash him, cleanse him thoroughly. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, your desire, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. Just restore me to the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Here is David just pleading, coming to God, broken over his sin. What is it he wants? He wants to be cleansed of that sin. But also notice, he wants that joy. He wants the presence. He wants God. He knows that his sin has separated him in the sense of his fellowship with God. And he wants that fellowship back. So David here is pursuing holiness. And yes, beloved, as you pursue holiness, you're going to be confessing sin. Between you and the Lord, you're going to be confessing sin. Crying out as David is crying out. And I always find this amazing. Here is David, a man that was an adulterer, a man that was really a murderer who had the, the, the husband of the woman he had the, the adulterous affair with had, her put, had him put to death. And yet God says, this is a man who is after my own heart. Beloved, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to be without sin. None of us are going to reach perfection in this life. But yet, we are to be pursuing Christ and pursuing holiness in our life. Beloved, that is the way we, as the people of God, are to be broken over our sin. As one author says, when we say that we love Christ, when you say, I love Jesus, what you're saying is, I admire Jesus Christ more than any other human or angelic being. You're saying, I enjoy His ways and His words more than I enjoy the ways and the words of anyone else. You're saying, I want His approval more than I want the approval of anyone else. You're saying, I want to be with him more than I want to be with anyone else. You're saying, I feel more grateful to him for what he has done for me than I do to anyone else. You're saying, I trust his words more fully than I trust what anyone else has to say. And I am more glad in his exaltation than in the exaltation of anyone else, including me. I just love Jesus. So beloved, if you want to see this deepen in your life, this love for Christ that is so essential, that is at the root of this pursuit of holiness, 
Now what you need to do is you need to be meditating on Christ. You need to be meditating on Christ. And that meditating on Him from the pages of Scripture. You need to be studying and thinking about Christ. You just need to be spending time with Christ. You need to pray and ask Him for more love for Him. And you need to follow Him. And you need to follow with those who love Christ. Yes, that's who you need to be spending your time with. I'm not saying you don't go out to share the gospel and and have friendships of people who don't know Christ and don't love Christ. But I'm saying there needs to be a consistent pattern in your life where you are walking and being with people who love Jesus Christ themselves. And you need to worship Christ with those who love and worship Christ. If you will do these things and be faithful to do them and ask God to help you to do them by His grace, I truly believe God will begin to cultivate even more of that love in your heart for Christ. Let me ask you as we close tonight, as I went through that little list there of of things that we're saying when we say that we love Jesus, Are any of those areas an area where you struggle? Do you struggle with enjoying His words and His ways more than any other ways and words of anyone else? Do you struggle at times wanting the approval of someone else more than you want the approval of Jesus Christ? Well, that will be very applicable when we're thinking about pursuing holiness. Are you wanting the approval of others or the approval of Christ? Are you want to, do you want to be with Him more or do you want to be with some others more? Do you trust His words more fully than you trust anyone else's words? That is, do you trust the Word of God? Do you trust what the Bible says? Do you trust what God's Word says about pursuing holiness? Do you trust what it says about pursuing holiness in your life? Do you trust what it says about pursuing holiness in the body of Christ? You see, it's easy, even in my own heart, in my own life, to go through that list and say, well, of course. Of course I admire Jesus more than anyone else and I enjoy Jesus more than anyone else and I trust Jesus and His words more than anyone else. Then sometimes I read something and I begin to see how I'm supposed to apply and I say, no, wait a minute. That's a little harder for me to do. But that comes back to a love for Christ, which is why we have to get back to really meditating and studying on Christ, spending time with Christ, talking with Christ, praying and asking Christ for more love, spending time with people who love Christ, worshiping Christ together. And that God begin to just drive deep in our hearts a love for Him. Well, obviously it has to be a love for Christ that would be involved in our salvation. As Jesus says, if you want to come to me and be a disciple of mine, you've got to love me more than you love anyone else in the world. You have to love me more than you love yourself and anything you have. And we understand that. But that doesn't mean even though we have made that commitment to Christ, we can't struggle at times with 
wanting some of it back for ourselves. Beloved, to pursue holiness in your life, it starts with a love, a deep, abiding, growing love for Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.